Well, it is good to see this room full of people that got to sleep in for service. I love it. You guys lied when Pastor Corey asked you, but that's okay because there's other liars in church too today. I don't go to church because there's hypocrites. Well, that's why we need to be here, amen? Because God's got to deal with our stuff. Say stuff. All right, it's so good to be with you guys today. I, I want to talk to you about something real quick before we get into the service. And um, here's what's happening at Momentum Church. You can tell we've been growing for like the last couple years, just really, I mean, like, it's so many people will say, y'all are growing so fast. And I'm going to go, nuh-uh, because I lived it. I know. It was like a plant in the ground, you know, and it's like, it's like this, it's like for eight years, and then about two years ago, started cup. you guys look so pretty. But we know what it was, you know what I'm saying? And, but we are, we're growing, it's a beautiful thing, and I'm so glad God's bringing just new people to our family. Aren't you glad God's bringing new people to you? Amen? It's been so much fun. And so with that, I want to talk about something real quick. The Bible tells us this in Proverbs 21, verse 5. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. And I want to honor those that have been a part of this ministry for a long time and those that have been here the last six, seven months since we've been in this place. Y'all have been diligent, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Amen? And that's me. Don't you applaud. I applaud you, all right? I'm serious. There's guests here going, man, they didn't applaud this most folk I ever saw. Man, we'll clap and whoop at about anything, all right? So, uh, <laughs> I'm teasing. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> but when it comes down to it, this idea of your diligence, it has. The Bible says the plans of the diligent lead to abundance. The fruit of diligence, the fruit of intentionality is abundance. You want to see abundance in your marriage? Intentionally go after your wife, right? You want to see intentionality in your, your abundance in your children's lives? Go after your kids' hearts. You want to see abundance in your finances? Go after being faithful in your finances. Right, right? And so it's just that idea of the diligent plans. Those plans of the diligent, they lead to abundance. And as a church, we've been seeing abundance. The fruit of intentionality has been manifesting all over this place. And so with that, abundance is happening. A lot of times you're praying what's going to happen. God, send a move. God, send a revival. God, do this. Do God is doing it. Hallelujah. That's awesome. Stuff folk have prayed about for years, God is doing. It's such a good thing. But here's the thing. When that abundance comes, we have to respond to the abundance of God, right? How do we respond? How many here you had a baby? Raise your hand. You did not have a baby, gentlemen. No, I'm teasing. I'm kidding. I'm just playing with you. No. I know, I know. But that idea, you know, you got to make room for that baby physically, but then also you started to make plans for that child in your home. You know, you started creating space for that child. And so how are we going to respond to the abundance that we're walking in? Here's how we're going to respond to it. On Easter Sunday morning, that day when service is over, they'll be given to each person a little pack of three invite cards. That's all, just three invite cards. Because on Easter Sunday morning, you're going to get touched by God, and you're going to want others that didn't come with you. You're going to invite tons of people to come for Easter, right? But... There's going to be other people that you're going to meet that week because I believe in God setting up people, you know. And you're going to run into people, and they're going to need to come back. They're going to need something from God. And so you're going to invite them to come to church with that card that we're giving you on Easter Sunday. But check this out. The service times on that card will be different because on the first Sunday of April, we'll be going to 9 o'clock, 1030, and 12 o'clock opportunities for you to have church that morning. Amen? Going to three services, first week of April. Come on. 
We've been asking, Pastor, Pastor Corey keeps saying, squeeze to the middle, squeeze to the middle, and so it's time to go ahead and add a service. That's a beautiful thing. And so we'll be going to three services. So that's corporately how we're going to respond to the abundance that's coming. How are we going to respond individually? This is up to you. How are you going to respond? And here's how I want to ask you to respond. I want to ask you to serve one and go to one. There's three services. Pick a service that you're going to be on the ministry team, whether it's ushers, greeters, kids' ministry. But each week, pick a service that is yours, especially with kids. When you're doing with kids and they know it's the same person every week, it builds ministry into those children. Those kids start to get real comfortable because they know who you are week after week after week. And so you need to be filled too, correct? So then you go to one. So one service is to fill you up. And the other service is for you to fill somebody else up. But you may say, but Pastor Ross, that'll have me at church for almost three hours. Yes! <laughs> it will. Why? Because it takes about three hours of your week to get filled up and to fill somebody else up. Now, truth of the matter is it takes more. And the reason why is there's no way if you wait on Sunday morning to fill you up, you'll ever get completely full. Amen. We all know that to be true, man. It's a daily walk with Jesus. But what I'm saying is on Sunday morning, serve one. Everybody say, serve one. Serve one. Go to one. But, but, but what about taking breaks? Your ministry team leader will help you with that. And there'll be seasons for breaks. There'll be times for you to go on vacation and so on. We're not going to try to kill you. But the way we're going now, the army of a few, although our volunteer base is ridiculous, the amount of percentage of people we have that serve, but the army of a few will dry up trying to serve the abundance God is bringing to this house. And you know what? God is so gracious and caring. You know what he'll do? He'll let the abundance go to another house. Because he's not going to destroy his people. Does that make sense? But there's something about moving in the flow of God. And so I want to challenge you guys to be praying. Get a hold of a ministry team leader. If you haven't already, get a hold of one. If you have, they'll be contacting you, getting things lined up for the first Sunday of April. And, um, and we just want to challenge you with that. So corporately, we're responding by adding a service. And privately or individually, we're responding by serving, to one, serving one and going to one. All right? I want you to open your Bibles this morning to John chapter 14. John Chapter 14, a few weeks ago we started this series called Beyond the Box, Beyond the Box, and we talked about the Holy Spirit as our comforter, as our helper from the Lord, and we begin to look at the person of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I hope you're enjoying what the Lord is revealing to us, because on a whole, I believe that the church at large, not just momentum, the church at large is underdeveloped when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I, I do. I believe that we're under. Now, now, we may feel that we're overly developed in some areas, but that can get to the extreme. All right. Oh, you can get people that are clear. Oh, I got light all the way to this side of the stage. Isn't that all? You, if you're a guest, you don't understand what that meant. That, woo, I feel Jesus. They're always telling me, get back over because there was no light here. Now I, got, I, I can preach everywhere. It's awesome. Okay, so. When it comes to the idea of the Spirit, there's churches that go clear over into charismania and craziness and wildness. And this week, my cousin was writing how he was trying to find somebody to buy some pews, you know, some pews. And, and I wrote him, I said, nobody uses pews anymore. And then we started joking about it, and it was like, I know, they got away with the snakes first, and now they're getting rid of the pews. What are we going to jump over? <laughs> Next thing you know, they'll take the chandeliers out. We won't be able to swing either, you know. No, I'm kidding. But how, how many here, be honest, you've been in some experiences that were maybe a little bit over too far this way, all right? Because of that, we try to overcorrect, and we go too far 
to this underdevelopment, underdeveloped side, and we come over here, and we put God in a box, you know? How many know I want Momentum Church to be a place that has the right balance of the move of the Spirit, the right balance of the hunger of God's Word, the right balance of connecting with God, the right balance of relating to people? You know what I'm saying? Go figure. Balanced is a good thing, you know? And so as a church, that's our heart, that's our desire. And so we're trying to not be underdeveloped when it comes to the Holy Spirit. The reason why I think a lot of times we're underdeveloped when it comes to the things of the Holy Spirit is because, like I said the first week, we're underdependent on the Holy Spirit. Underdependent. I tell you, this month, April coming up, is a really, no, March, I'm sorry, is a really neat month for me because March of 1992 is when I packed my 1984 Buick Skyhawk with, it was a bad mamma jamma of a little machine. No, it wasn't. When I packed my little car and I moved to Pennsylvania to work at a church. 24 years ago, I took off to go work at the first church I ever was a part of. I was only a part of that church about a year. And then I was a part of the last church I was at for almost 11 years. And then I was on the road in between those. And then I've been here about 11 years. But the thing with that, at 19 years old, I was extremely dependent on the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be honest. I had to learn from the Holy Spirit. I had to be led by the Holy Spirit. I loved the dependency I had. I was forced to have a dependency on the Holy Spirit in those early years because I didn't have anything else. Why? Because I was a goober. How many, I mean, you got a 19-year-old. I got a 19-year-old. No, you're not a goober. You're pretty awesome, but, but I'm always got myself in trouble. But there's some goobers up in here, you know, because you're 19, you're 20. I, I, but listen, there's a beauty in that. And I can remember going into situations where I got asked to preach, and I don't have a clue how to prepare a sermon. I still don't. But it, shut up. <laughs> I never liked any of you. No, I'm kidding. So, so it was one of those things where I had to rely on the person of the Holy Spirit, you know. I would get into counseling sessions at 22, 23, just married myself, and I'm supposed to bring life from God's Word to these people and help counsel them. And before they would come in, I would pray, Jesus, please speak through me. There was such a dependence on the Holy Spirit because I hadn't been to Bible college. I hadn't been to Roberts University at that point. You know, I, I struggled. I needed the Holy Spirit. And there was something beautiful about that, something that was just precious about that, you know? I loved it. I loved it. And God still reminds me how often I am dependent on Him, how often I need to be dependent on Him. Last week, we had two illustrations in the sermon. You remember last week, if you were here, we had an illustration of a box over here. And, and how many, again, you were here last week, and you saw me cut myself out of the box with a chainsaw? That's a cool illustration. You know, thanks to Brian Choate, it was his idea with the chainsaw. I was going to do it with the butter knife or bread knife. I was. And he's just a pastor I'm going to do. we got to have something more. And so that was an awesome illustration. Now, I want you to see something here, okay? I didn't think anything would top that. I really didn't. That's a great illustration. We're not going to keep God in the box. You know, all appendages, all appendages were left intact. Praise Jesus. You know? But you know what? God showed up. And he gave us an illustration that was spirit-led. Spirit birth, right in the moment. And you know, we've had this box with this comforter for a while up here, you know. And God showed us what it means to be with and in and upon when it comes to the Holy Spirit moving upon us. I want to start there again today. Is that okay if we start there again? 
Because God showed up last week with that illustration. I really believe that was uh, something birthed from God. John 14, it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. That Greek word is parakletos. It, it means a comforter or an advocate, someone that comes alongside. Remember, I walked all around with this the first week. It was so cozy, so good. The Holy Spirit is so good, you know. And then we put him in the box, and we just closed the box up and said, You know what, God, you don't move like that anymore. And we set the box aside. Last week, as we started looking at this, we realized, no, 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 the Bible says the Holy Spirit, He comes with you and in you. We looked at the prepositions para, P-A-R-A, and that He is with us. Is this blanket with this box? Yes. You got, yeah, let me say again. Is this blanket with this box? Yeah, the comforter's with the box. Is this comforter in? E-N in the Greek, the preposition, is it in the box? Yeah. But then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we saw that when the Holy Spirit, everybody say comes, say comes upon. The Greek word is epi. Epi, that's a great preposition. When the Holy Spirit comes up, and this is what the Lord did for us last week. This whole in and with, and next thing you know, I'm saying when the Holy Spirit comes upon, and I didn't realize I was even going to do this, and I'm pulling it out. The Holy Spirit comes upon the box. Ah, Holy Ghost, you're having a hard time here. Okay. There we go. The Holy Spirit comes upon the box. Look at this, look at this. And so last Sunday, I get to this far in the illustration, and the Lord just lays in my heart, this, is this in the box? Yeah, it's in the box. Is this with the box? The Holy Spirit will come in you, and he'll be with you. But then when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it says, you will be a witness of me in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, right? Right? When the power of God, when this sense of a baptism, the second work of grace, this touch from God comes upon me, all right? The witness is the sign. We'll talk about that more next week, okay? And so when the power of God comes upon me, Epi comes upon, I love this, I will be a witness. Is that blanket upon that box? And last week when I stood aside to look at it, I started jumping up and down because I started realizing, can you see the box? still gets me. It gets me that the Lord can show this is the illustration that really matters, not a preacher loud and brash cutting himself out of a box, but God in a moment surprising us all with the truth that you can't see the box. That's what Jesus wants. He wants the Holy Spirit in our life and us connected so that we will become invisible and Jesus will become visible. All you see is the comforter. All you see is the blanket. And the Spirit of God bears witness with Jesus. is that awesome? But that was last week. I had a horrible week this week. How many had a bad week this week? Be honest. Yeah, first there was a lot of people. I'm being honest, it was just so hard, it was hard preparing the sermon, it was just hard for so many different reasons, it was just a, it was a crap week, dadgummit. <laughs> but I think God was just taking a moment to show me this week to keep my dependence on him. Not the next creative thing I can figure out how to say, Amen. Not, not, not the neat next little package. I don't have a good package for this sermon this morning. I just want Jesus to show up. 
And I can remember as a young man, so many times, hungry for the presence of God to come. Because I knew if the Spirit of God didn't show up, I'd have nothing to offer. I can fake it sometimes now. God, I don't ever want to fake it. I don't want to ever lose my dependency on the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And this week, I just found myself in my own quiet place, like I would when I was young. Didn't even know all these cool courses we sing now, you know? But when I was young, I would sing, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. So bless me now. My Savior, I come to Thee. That, that, I was 19 years old, backslidden. Had felt called of God when I was 10. I got saved when I was 10. I got saved when I was about 5. About 10 years old, I was at a church service. They prayed for me like we do here. And, and as a little guy, I'm just going to be honest, I fell out in the spirit. That, we don't see that a lot around here, you know. But I'm just being honest. And nobody caught me because nobody thinks a 10-year-old's going down. <laughs> they left me. They hit my head. Explain some stuff. And I remember, I, 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 just, I woke up on the floor, I don't know how long later, and I saw myself preaching. Through my eyes, I could see my, my little short, stubby hands and arms, you know, T-Rex preaching for the gospel, you know. I could see it, all right. And from 10 years old, all up through school, man, people would say, what are you going to be when you grow up? I'm going to be a preacher. At 13, I was in a church experience. It was for young people, and the power of God hit me, and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. That was awesome. That summer, my dad started letting me preach some, and 13 years old, I preached. 15 years old, I preached. I was in Louisville, Kentucky and preached at a mission. And people got saved. And I want to do this for the rest of my life. And then just a little bit after that, Jimmy Baker and Jimmy Swagger had moral failure. You guys don't understand. When I was in high school, okay, I was an absolute mess. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, I couldn't get nothing accomplished. Amy, she can attest to this. My junior year of high school, I would be so I can't control my mouth. I, I, can't, I can't, in class, I would get in trouble every day. And, and, and Amy used to say, I would just get a hall pass if I want to see Ross, because he'll be sitting in a chair outside of some classroom. <laughs> to let you understand the, the level of this, okay, of this feeling of insecurity, this feeling of, 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 of inability. I told her one time, I said, Amy, I think I'm demon-possessed. Can a Christian be demon-possessed? No. Oppressed, yes, but not possessed. But I told her, the things I want to do, I don't do. I would go to school in the morning going, be a good boy, Rossi. <laughs> and by the end of the day, I was like, and I went to a school where they whooped you, you know. And I remember, I, remember, I remember in fourth grade, whooped almost weekly, you know. Asked not to come back to that school, you know. Darn Baptists, they didn't like me. No. <laughs> that is true, though. But, um. But I told her, I said, I can't, I can't keep my brain straight. I, and now, mind you, I was excelling in things in my life, you know. I'm not saying this like brag on me. I'm just, I'm hoping this will relate to somebody. Varsity soccer, varsity um, um, wrestling, you know, um, um, a lot thinner than obviously. Um, all that stuff. Uh, making $350 to $500 a week in my job as a junior in high school, legally. Okay. I mean, I'm just being honest. I was excelling in a lot of things, but in my private life, I felt inept. I felt like I had no ability 
And now Jimmy Baker and Jimmy Swaggart fell, guys that I kind of idolized, if you will. And when that happened, I said, forget it all. There's no way. If they can't keep it together morally, how am I supposed to keep it together? You know, I can't even keep my mouth shut in class. Literally, this is my thought process. And so I backslid, you know, for a good six months, ran hard from God. And on a Sunday morning, a family friend challenged me. And that night in my bedroom, I'm seeking God in my bedroom in repentance. And the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me. Man touched me, rebaptized me. I, I was a mess. I was tore up from the floor up, messed up from the chest up, beat up from the feet up. I'm telling you, God did something there, you know. And long story short, it wasn't but three and a half, four months later, March of 92. That would have been the last week of October of 91. Just a few months later, I get asked to go work at a church. It was almost like God said, you know what? You are a mess, but I'm going to use you anyhow. You can't keep it controlled, but it's all right. I'm going to use you anyhow. And for 24 years, I've just learned to be dependent. And this week was such a good reminder from Jesus because last week was so good, so effortless. And I struggled so much this week to prepare a sermon. Oh, next week, man, I got a word. Can't wait for you to come back. But this week, we're done. See you next week. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> just struggled. Just struggled. Felt so inept. So, so, you know, and that's a good thing. And I found myself in the quietness of my heart this week. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Bless me now. My Father, I come to thee. Can you sing that with me if you know that? I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every I need thee. So bless me now, my Father. Oh, I come to Sing, bless me now one more time. Bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. It's really all we need, isn't it? Just Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And so the goal of the Holy Spirit is that Jesus is seen in us. That's really it. Not anything fancy. Not anything that would do one bit more than show him. It's all about him being seen and us being hidden. Amen? So next week we will. We'll look at the fullness of the power of God in display. We're going to look at the gifts of the Spirit next week. But this week I want to zone in on the character of God. Can we do that? Let's stand to our feet. John... We just stand to honor God's word. John chapter 16. John chapter 16. Let's go to verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. Watch this, verse 14. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 15, all that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Jesus, help us, Lord, over the next few minutes to get a greater, deeper appreciation for the person of the Holy Spirit and for the character of God that he wants to exhibit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, you can have your seats. First thing I want to show you in this is that Jesus says, I'm going to sin, I'm going to send another helper. And this other helper, I told you a few weeks ago, it was alos parakletos. It was the idea, another helper of the same kind. Not a different helper, not a alos or a heteros parakletos, but everybody say alos. Uh, one of the same kind. I'm going to leave, but the one showing up is just like me. And here's what's neat. Some people think the Holy Spirit is just like Casper, the friendly church ghost. He's not. He is God all by himself. Can I give you a picture of how it looks? Have you ever had an ice cube, right? And that ice cube is water. It's made of what? H2? Yeah, yeah. But if you were thirsty, you wouldn't want to swallow an ice cube, right? Wouldn't be too comfortable. Now that ice cube begins to melt and you have some liquid water or you go and you pour some water out of the tap or get a bottle of water, that water is, is moving, flowing, but it's still H2. That ice cube is H2O, no more, no less. That water is H2O, that liquid water is H2O, no more, no less, right? You put a pot on the stove and steam starts to come out of the pot. And as that steam comes out, or, or maybe like us in Ohio. In Ohio, we only had, we didn't have like central air. It didn't get too hot until about August. And a few times a year, you'd be out mowing and you're just miserable. And so we would come in and use the hillbilly air conditioner. That was the freezer. And you, how many's ever stuck a head in a freezer? And, oh, Jesus. Lord, is good. You know? Oh, yeah. Well, that steam, that mist or whatever coming out of that freezer, guess what it's made of? H2, anything more? Anything less? Do you get God now? You have that solid, that creator. He is God, nothing more, nothing less. He is Father. You have that living water that will quench a hungry, thirsty soul and will wash the sins away of mankind. You have that living water, Jesus, God, the Son, nothing more, nothing less. Then you have this thing that seems I can't get my hands on it. It's hard for me to mentally grasp it. It's not an it, it's a him. It's God, the Holy Spirit, nothing more, nothing less. Does that help you a little bit? God, 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 God. And so with that, Jesus is saying, I'm going to go to the Father. I'm going to send this one that's like me, and he will represent the Father in you. God wants who he is to be seen and visible in the earth. The thing is, God can move in the earth by his spirit, but in order for God to move in the earth through his body, he's got to move through you, and he's got to move through me. Oh, you can sense the moving of God, but for, for people to see the expression of God, begin to do something, he uses his, say, body. He uses his body. And so that means it'd be best if his body was submitted to him, right? If his body was more inclined to say, I'm dependent on you 
Holy Spirit, to have your work in me. I'm dependent on you. I want you to be seen in my life, and so I rest and I depend upon you. There's three areas that our dependence will lead to that God the Holy Spirit helps us with. The first we can see here is that He will convict us of sin. He will convict us concerning sin. Let me, let me walk down through here. First, let's go to verse 8. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And so the first thing, the Holy Spirit helps us to believe. The Holy Spirit helps us to believe. It says here that God will convict us of our sin. I just lost it. Because they do not believe in me. So what happens when the Holy Spirit begins to do a work on you, you may not even realize that you have sin. You may not even realize that you have a need in the things of God. But the Holy Spirit's job is to convict you of sin and to cause there to be belief in you. To believe that I am undone apart from Him. That's the first thing. And so the Holy Spirit, so listen, if you're ever in a church service, if you're ever going to sleep at night, if you're ever driving the car and you start to feel convicted about something, get excited about that. Yes, Lord, I'm a mess. Thank you, Jesus. You're convicting me. And if you're convicting me, you're going to give me the ability to believe that I can come past this sin. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing your conviction of sin. Does that make sense? He is convicting you and he is increasing your belief. And the second thing we see is this. The Holy Spirit helps us to be connected. It says when He comes, He convicts the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe. Concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And so the second thing the Holy Spirit does, and there's a lot of things He does. Just a few of the things we're looking at today. He convicts us of righteousness. Righteousness means right relationship. So in other words, His drawing in our life. His leading through conviction leads us to a place of relationship, leads us to a place of connection. That's what righteousness is. Guess what? Righteousness is not being holier than thou. I'm more righteous than you, Richard. And I'm humble too. That's not righteousness. Righteousness is right relationship. It's recognizing I have access it's recognizing that God has a path. It's Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He convicts me that I got away to the Father. That there's righteousness, there's relationship, there's connection. And with that connection, I can deal with my stuff. And so He heightens the connection between us and God. If you'll let the Holy Spirit do that, right? If you allow Him to draw you in and show you what it means to be connected but Ross, there's things in my life that keeps me from connection. Exactly. Watch this. The next passage, it says, Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you'll see me no longer. Verse 11, concerning judgment. He convicts me concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Well, what does that mean? It means this. The Holy Spirit helps us be victorious. Well, now, Ross, where do you get that? I thought, I thought you were saying that, that, that he comes just to judge. No, no, no. Watch this. This is so awesome. Say awesome. It says here he convicts us concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. In other words, the Holy Spirit rises up on the inside and says you can be victorious because the one that is keeping you from victory, he has already been judged. The ruler of this world is already defeated. And so, yes, when you have that drawing and belief to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit does that. And as you connect 
with Jesus, the Holy Spirit does that. And in that connection, you start to realize that you're undone and that you need victory in different areas of your life. Then the Holy Spirit comes and says, you're already a winner. God's already defeated the works of the enemy. The enemy is already judged. Now let me judge the sin in your life. Let me find that sin guilty and let me punish that sin. Oh, you know what? I've already punished it by the blood of Jesus. It's covered. Shout, it's covered. covered. Amen? You mean the Holy Spirit does all that? Yeah. It's awesome. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us or to bring belief that we can be free from our sin, to bring connection to our Father, and as we connect with our Father, to bring victory in in our life, right? And so the victory that we have in Jesus is seen because of the Holy Spirit's work in our life. Listen, I'm going to put this on the screen. The victory we need will manifest only when we allow the Holy Spirit to have His work, His will, and His way in us. When we allow Him to have His work and His will and His way in us, Jesus starts to be seen. Victory starts to be won. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It takes the character of God, and in relationship, in righteousness, it begins to unfold that character In our life. I'll just try harder then. No, it's not about trying harder. It's just about connecting with God. You couldn't muster enough faith to save you. The Bible says He gives you that seed of faith for salvation. Amen? And if it's the seed that He gives you of faith to save, it's the same way you get saved as you get delivered. That's what Galatians is all about. Why would we think? Why would we be witched to think that we got to do something more? It's Jesus and Jesus only that does the work in our lives. Not a whole bunch of flesh stuff. As we submit our flesh to the things of God, the Holy Spirit steps in and begins to judge those things and deal. How many have the Holy Spirit judge and deal with some stuff in your life? It hurts at first, doesn't it? But then it's good. This thing in my head, it hurt at first. Now it's starting to feel pretty good. So I'm a cyborg. That's cool. New people, I'm getting up hearing things. It's pretty awesome. I'm deaf on this side. It's pretty cool. But it hurt at first. It has to at first. But then God starts to work those things out. So good. So good. I love it. In Galatians, so what's the character that we're aspiring to? What's we're, what are we hoping to be formed in us? The character of God so that God can be seen in the earth. Look in Galatians 5, through 25. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Ah, isn't that good? All that stuff just covering me that Jesus might be seen. But if I'm honest, I struggle in self-control. Yes, I've lost 35 pounds, but there was a point when I got 100 pounds overweight. Why? Because I like stuff that ends in O's. Ho-Ho's, Doritos, Doritos, Nachos and Tacos. Mementos. Well, that, that ends with an S, but you can never be satisfied with one. <laughs> you can eat them all, you know. Self-control I struggle with. For you, it may be some other thing. Now, here, I want you to watch this. Watch this. This is so good. And those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. That's what God wants us to do. And whose gifts are these? Or fruits are these. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Something the Lord showed me years ago about this. When you look at this passage, it's a little bit above this scripture. It talks about walking after the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. 
So you walk after God, and the stuff of the flesh starts to deal with itself. That's how the focus should be. Anyhow, just walk after Jesus. But I'm struggling with some stuff. I know. Keep walking after Jesus. God will start dealing with that stuff, you know. And the thing with walking, you know, when it comes to the idea of fruit, think of this. It's not fruits of the Spirit. It's fruit. Say fruit. The verse or so before that says that the works of the flesh are, and it gives you a list of works, everything from fornication and immorality to you think, well, I'm not going to kill nobody. Well, yeah, but jealousy and envy and strife is in there too, and we all face that. And You know why, why it says works in plural? Because the enemy of your heart doesn't matter how he defeats you and gets you pushed away from the best God has. He'll give you many options. He divides and he conquers, but God wants you to be whole. Why? Because he is whole. And so he says the fruit of the Spirit, you can't go, I'm going to pick and choose. No, no, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so on. Let me, let me give you an example of how this works, okay? Because if we could segment it, if we could like say, well, you know what, it's just different fruits, that's fine. Then we could do this. Well, you know what, I have joy. And I'm very faithful, and I have self-control. I just don't like black people. Oh, and how's your relationship going with Jesus? But when we look at it as fruits of the Spirit, well, I got this, and I got this, and I got this. I struggle with this one, but God understands. God knows. Well, no, no, he says the fruit. He wants who he is completely formed in us. And so imagine this, if you will, a fruit... And you say, but I don't care about this segment of population, so my love portion of the fruit is a little diminished. Have you ever seen the citrus fruit called an ugly fruit? It looks like a grapefruit that was placed underneath a car seat in July and August for about two weeks. And you're going to put that in your mouth? You know, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's an ugly fruit. How many have seen an ugly Christian? Well... <laughs> Yeah, why? Because I'm picking and choosing. God, I don't want to pick and choose. I want you to be seen. All the fruit. It's not mine, though. I'm not telling you, muster this up. I'm going to be kinder. Mm. <laughs> Somebody's trying to be kinder. They're so bitter at trying to be kinder. They're still mean, you know. I'm going to have self-control, you know. It wasn't until I just really started giving this to the Lord that I... I started finding my strength, you know. I feel like I'm not really working at it too hard. I'm serious. She can't keep her hands off me. <laughs> well. <laughs> Somebody just puked in their mouth a little. <laughs> Shut up. No. <laughs> so God wants us to walk after the Spirit, because as we do that, the Spirit starts to do this work of his fruit being formed in our lives. And you understand what walking is, right? You understand what walking is. I mean, there's some people that, you know, they're going to pimp their limp. Yo, yo, what's up, dog? Oh, like that right there, you know? That's pretty, that's pretty smooth, no? <laughs> some people got a little more stride in their glide. <laughs> shouldn't do that. I don't know. But <laughs> what I'm saying... What I'm saying is, whether you John Wayne it, you know, or however you walk, walking is the habitual ordering of your steps. That's all it is. And a habit comes in time. And so he gives us this way 
by convicting us of sin, that we can have this relationship with him, that we can believe in him. He gives us this ability to connect through convicting us that there's righteousness there, that we can pursue this right relationship. He gives us in the midst of that, that he's going to deal and judge our stuff. And as we walk that pathway with him, in formation, the character of Christ starts to be formed in us. And guess what happens? Our walk changes. Isn't that awesome? And the glide that we have and the stride that we have, the Bible says it starts to become in step with God. A little bit later in this passage of Scripture, as you read Galatians 5, it'll say that we are supposed to keep in step with the things of God. That we keep in step with Him. It takes time. It takes time. And that's all right. All I'm saying is to allow your hearts to be submitted to the person of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the victory you need will manifest only when you allow the Holy Spirit to have His work, His will, and His way in you. Let Him begin to do that. Begin to pursue Him. When you read the Word of God, today, God, I'm opening the Word. I ask today, by the Spirit of God, that you would quicken my understanding to Scripture. And He'll start to do that. He's the teacher. Lord, today, and you begin to have a conversation with God. Now, here's the thing about us. We pray to Jesus, and we should pray to Jesus. He always points us to Jesus, the Holy Spirit. But you have to understand the Holy Spirit in our life, that's the God that you sense. Do we have more than one God? No. H2O, baby. It's all God. I'm just saying the Holy Spirit is the executor of the Godhead, the finger of God. The power of God at work in our lives, in the earth, that's the Holy Spirit. So if we don't have an appreciation for seeking Him, for allowing Him to move on us, when we sense that conviction and we push it away, that's grieving Him. No, no, God, thank you for convicting me. You're making yourself present with me. That's why I don't have to have condemnation when that comes. Therefore, now there's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus who do what? Walk after the Spirit. See, I don't have to. He brings all that to bear, because he's forming his character in us. So the world will see Jesus through us, so that you may be full of him, and that the world would see, and not just full, but if you will, full to overflowing, that what flows out is literally the person and presence of Jesus. I want to finish with this passage in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit. Where? In your inner being. God's right there. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and watch this, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what I want. I want to be filled with his fullness. God, I thank you for your spirit. I want to have an appreciation for the ever presence of who you are right here with us. That's why a lot of times we call you to the altar. It's, it's, not, it's not for God. It's, it's just a way to get us engaged. The Bible says, draw near to those, he'll draw near to those who draw near to him. It's just us to, there's something about physically doing something that just opens our heart. And the truth of the matter is, God just wants to make himself full in you. 
so full it overflows and people see that overflow. Jesus is seen. Next week we'll see that not just Jesus is being seen, but the power of God is being seen. And as that overflow happens, ministry happens. Because every one of you, how many pastors are on the campus today? How many ministers are on the campus today? Probably 430 ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Some are little, 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 tiny. Some are bigger than we should be. Watch this, though. This is beautiful. Verse 19. And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Watch this. That you, say you, may be filled with all the fullness of God. I believe when God does something in a church, he does it first initially through individuals. Why? Because you are the church. We inhabit this together and it becomes a house of worship. But you're the church. His fullness is for you. But watch what happens to a church when we embrace this. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. This is starting to go plural now. Okay? It goes from you to us. The power at work in us. Say in us. To him be glory in the Is that awesome? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It starts with us and then God does something where it allows his church to be seen in the light that he always desired because the church together we're his bride and the bride should be seen in all her splendor. And if we're ugly fruit, the bride will never be seen in all her splendor. I'm stretching this. He is high and lifted up. And the train of his glory fills the temple. I hadn't studied that out, so I may be completely inaccurate. Being honest, right, Pastor? I don't know. Got a guest pastor here today. The train of a bride fills. God wants to take his glory upon his church and fill us so full that wherever we go, God is sensed. God's word is known. Isn't it awesome? I want you to close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to say these characteristics. And if there's an area you struggle with, submit it to the Lord. Submit it to the Lord. You struggle with belief. God, birth belief in them, I pray. You struggle with your connection. The enemy comes and lies to you. And maybe says that you're not worthy to be connected to Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and minister. Let them know that you paid the price, Jesus, and we are worthy. Maybe maybe there's not a desire or a passion to connect. God, help them in that. There's areas that they struggle to be victorious in. We ask that the Holy Spirit would come and give us confidence that those things are already judged. They're already defeated. And greater is he that's in me than the enemy that's in this world. Father, for those things of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those areas that we struggle with at times, whichever one you birthed in our heart as we spoke those words, God, let us have confidence to know that you will work those things out as we keep step with you, as we walk after you. Jesus, right now, we turn our hearts towards you, and we invite you, Lord, in our lives, through the person of the Holy Spirit, to have your work to have your will, 
and to have your way with us. We invite you, Jesus, to have your work, your will, and your way with us. In your name, Jesus, please say amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.